thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damian Kristoff. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. And gentlemen, today we got a, a huge interview today because we actually have Scott Kinnear who's going to joining us on the call. Um, he's been in, into organic foods uh, in for about over 22 years, and he's actually one of the key directors of something called the Safe Food Foundation. And uh, Safe Food Foundation is an Australian-based, non-for-profit campaign and advocacy group organization with a proactive solution-oriented approach to food quality and safety. And its mission is to make the world's food supply cleaner, safer, nutrition, and full, nutritious, full of taste, and produce in a way that has enhanced our environment, as well as our social and economic system. So welcome to the Wellness Guy Show, Scott. Great to be here with you. Well, it's, a, it's exciting times at the moment. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about, I sort of did a quick introduction of what the Safe Food Foundation, but you know, you've been in organic food for quite some time. I believe you're actually a founder and owner of Organic Whole Foods, uh, which is, has a couple of stores in Melbourne. Um, tell us your interest in ho- organic food, and why did you start up this foundation at this at this time? Oh, sure, yeah, great question. Uh, I, I've been interested in organic food for 22, 23 years now and did uh, found uh, the organic whole foods business. Uh, my mother was a great environmentalist and, and uh, was involved in research into damage to the ozone layer, and she got me interested in the environment. And then when I had a child, I think that's one of the entry points for most people into organic foods. It's either through having a child or it's through illness. Um, but the positive and, and most important entry point is through having a child. Uh, and uh, I got interested in organic food from that point of view. And, and um, very much it's, it's got benefits in terms of environmental protection, uh, and also in terms of health protection. And if it's grown uh, in a socially just uh, way, of which most organic farmers around the world are trying to do that through fair trade systems, through small-scale agriculture, then there's a social and an economic benefit as well. So it's a great way to, to improve our environment, improve our health. And the foundation is something that's come later uh, the last two or three years, and that's very much something because there's lacking in Australia an organisation to focus and dedicate uh, itself to food issues, uh, to developing research around food issues, which is uh, independent, not uh, tampered with by the corporate world, uh, and also to fill in the gaps. There's a lot of gaps around what's going on with our food supply. And the Safe Food Foundation was the idea uh, developed by myself and a couple of other friends uh, who've been involved in food for a very long time. Clive Blasey is one of those. And it's come forth in that uh, capacity and very quickly um, focused on GM foods. GM foods is a big issue and also chemicals uh, used in agriculture. Some of the herbicides, Roundup's a, a big issue that we're looking at and uh, a little side issue that we got involved with last year was irradiated foods. So there's lots and lots of issues that we'd like to address and look at. Uh, the biggest one at the moment is the GM foods issue. They're uh, they're massive. That's a massive list, you know. To talk about irradiated foods, which many people have, you know, kind of spoken about. I'm a naturopath as well, and we've been speaking about this for a long time, Scott. Uh, but the organic movement, which is big and strong and powerful, it seems these days, a lot of people are moving in that direction. How big is this GM problem? I, when I was in New Zealand, there was a big move to keep GM out of New Zealand. I had no idea that GM was so big here in Australia. Yeah, unfortunately, we've had GM in cotton over here for quite some time now, probably for about 15 years. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, canola's only recently come into the scene in the last three years in Victoria and New South Wales and then in, in Western Australia. But it is a big problem. It's getting into, getting into canola means it's into the grain system, it's into the supply system, it's alongside roads now because trucks can't grain. And uh, any canola growing crops which are non-GM are potentially getting contaminated via pollen flow. Canola is a very promiscuous uh, crop and it spreads its pollen far and wide through honeybees and through the wind. And then, of course, the grain falling out of the sides of trucks is another way that contamination spreads. So this is a big problem. I mean, we, we did fight very hard for a long time in Australia and I was involved in the setting up of the legislation, the Gene Technology Act, uh, which um, uh, developed the concept that states could have an independent decision to uh, refrain from involving itself in GM commercial food production. And so we managed for many, many years after the legislation came in, it came in in 2001, we managed for many, many years to get every single state to have a moratorium against the planning of GM. Unfortunately, about four years ago now, Victoria and New South Wales lifted their moratoriums and then a year after that, Western Australia followed. So... New Zealand's still holding the line. It's, it's really good news what they're doing over there and they've got a very active community. Um, our problem is uh, these states that have got involved in GM allowed it to go forth and that contamination is spreading now via GM canola in our fields. Cotton doesn't spread. It's not really a contaminant of agricultural farming systems because when you grow cotton, you really don't rotate with food crops and so it's, it's nowhere near the issue uh, that uh, canola is. Though, of course, people should understand that cottonseed oil uh, is something that's used widely in the food uh, processing industry. It's a cheap uh, vegetable oil and it's also used in things like fish and chips. So if you're eating your fish and chips right now uh, or if you're thinking about having them tomorrow, um, think twice and ask uh, the shop where you buy them if they use cottonseed oil to fry the chips in. So, Scott, let's, let's start right from the start on this GM issue. So perhaps for our fans, maybe you could just explain to us Exactly what does it mean if a crop's been genetically modified and what are the concerns about genetically modified crops in terms of you know, what the effects of that might be? Well, in very basic science terms, it's uh, cutting and splicing and pasting of DNA sequences which could not occur in, in nature. So taking uh, sequences, say, from uh, the most common one is from a bacteria and inserting it into a plant. Uh, there's been other attempts to take human genes and put them into plants animal genes, put them into plants, all sorts of weird combinations can be achieved in laboratories these days. Um, There's various techniques they use to uh, insert these DNA sequences. And the real concern in doing this is that we disrupt the functioning, um, uh, I guess, the the sort of dynamic um, uh, relationship that the genome has. Uh, that it functions in a, in a, a three-dimensional, probably a six-dimensional, maybe a multi, many more dimensional way than we understand capacity. And uh, uh, it has this intense feedback system. And when you disrupt a sequence of DNA, uh, you get all sorts of unintended consequences uh, in the genome. So you can cause the expression of genes uh, and the production of proteins that normally wouldn't exist in a plant and in a food supply. And you could also... Uh, also cause the expression of something that was normally there to be reduced or to disappear. So you can upset the um, the normal characteristics of foods that we produce. It could be a celery that normally has a whole range of nutritional characteristics that could ultimately change and could become toxic 
to human health or could be lacking in, in a nutritional element uh, that could cause an impact on human health. And in particular, celery is probably not a great example, but if you pick something like wheat and there's a, a strong push to genetically modify wheat and to release that in Australia as the first country in the world by 2017, and that's a product that's in huge consumption around the world. So if you alter nutritional characteristics, either to cause toxicity or to cause deficiencies, you'll have a health impact. And, and it is relevant because not so much in Australia, but in North America, um, corn and soy are huge food products and they are genetically modified. The vast percentage of them is. And it's, it's the world's largest global feeding experiment. And the human beings are unfortunately the rats in the lab. And that shouldn't be allowed to happen in our view. And so we're also funding some research, some feeding trials, both in Europe and in Australia, looking at the impacts of laboratory animals uh, eating GM foods. And those results are, are yet to be published. They will be published in the next uh, um, six to 12 months. So it's very interesting um, that governments haven't properly regulated. That's our, our strong view, that they haven't properly regulated the risks. Uh, and they've allowed these foods to be uh, foisted on the um, human experimental uh, uh, feeding trial, global feeding trial um, table in a way that is is um, to be heavily questioned and challenged, and that's what we're doing. So one of the things, I guess, it, the hardest part is fighting against this is because of the lobbyists, I imagine, um, to kind of create that necessity for these type of GM foods in the world because of its yield, it's also production, also it's a lot about money. Um, you know, do you see that it is almost like an uphill battle for, you know, foundations like yourself to be able to kind of go against billion-dollar companies? It is an uphill battle. We're, we're fighting lobbyists all the way and we're fighting a whole lot of mythology and, and very good PR seven-second slogans, like feeding the world is one of those seven-second slogans. And, and each one of these slogans we can counter very effectively uh, but unfortunately, we don't have the airplay. We don't have the political airplay. We don't have the media airplay. Uh, it, it's dominated. Unfortunately, the media is uh, the airplay flows from where, where, where does the money come from? So if you look at who's advertising in the media, it's pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies and it's uh, uh, chemical companies. And, and the two of them are now very much integrated uh, in terms of the products that they produce and sell. So uh, th this is what we are up against. However, it's a very exciting time because the world's connected via the internet in a way we've never seen before, and that's mm. the capacity for a great idea or an important piece of information or um, uh, people who are doing things from their heart or, or doing things because they're thinking um, uh, carefully about the world and what's, they, they are mindful, people who are mindful thinkers are expressing these ideas and spreading these ideas. And the resistance to GM is growing rapidly around the world. Um, I could counter one of the myths now that they're feeding the world very easily by... Um, pointing out waste, food waste that we have, and point which is huge around the world. About thirty percent of food that we produce is wasted. Mm -hmm. uh, if we saved even a, you know, ten percent of that food waste, or ten percent of the food that's produced, and reduced our waste down to twenty percent, that would feed, you know, hundreds of millions of people. Uh, and, and just things like um, uh, the world's largest ever collection of agricultural scientists. Uh, produced a report over many years, and it was published about three years ago now, uh, which very strongly endorsed the notion that food security, especially where food is short in parts of the world, uh, and that's not in Australia, I should be very um, quick to point out, and it's not in North America where there's food shortages, 
except for poverty. Uh, but the um, uh, food security issues are resolved through multifunctional agricultural systems and through the, the application of biological farming principles, which builds soil fertility and builds soil structure uh, using photosynthesis to uh, incorporate nitrogen into, which is one of the most important nutritional um, building blocks for plant growth into soils through photosynthesis and through the use of legume crops in rotation. Every home gardener or, or anyone who's involved in growing your own, own vegetable garden understands these things, understands how you can produce healthy soil biologically. And uh, that's the way that we will increase water holding capacity and ultimately increase yields. And so GM crops, unfortunately, are a, a, an industrial agricultural system that to date has focused on monocultures and to date has focused on uh, or close to um, 97% of the crops produced are herbicide resistant. So they come in partnership with a herbicide where the crop uh, is resistant to the application of the herbicide, so you spray the crop with a herbicide. And, of course, what you then do is you uh, saturate our food supply with herbicide residue. Uh, and that's where the really big issues are arising and concerns and questions and research around Roundup because it's been the world's most used herbicide, 30 years of intense use, and it's present in water, it's present in urine samples of the vast majority of people who are tested, uh, and uh, it's it's there, it's everywhere now, it's in our food supply, and that's one of the things that we should be very concerned about is the impact of herbicides in our food supply. So um, GM crops unfortunately feed into this monoculture industrial system and they increase chemical use uh, to date rather than reduce chemical use to date. Uh, that's the vast majority of the GM crops on the market today. And uh, um, we are advocating very strongly and whenever we can that the biological systems, the organic systems, have all of this suite of benefits. Uh, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing extraordinary growth in demand for organic food around the world. Uh, it's the fastest growing food movement. If you think about any food category, it's the fastest growing category and has been for the last 10 years globally. Mm. So we're very confident that eventually we will get there. In the meantime, we have to suffer this GM feeding trial global experiment. It's pretty terrible. It, uh, it certainly does raise, uh, you know, question marks over the whole food security. Often you hear about food security where there isn't enough food and um, and the inability to grow crops. But then there's the whole security issue with you know what's actually going onto our food, which is coming into our bodies. It's it's actually really scary. Scott, uh, in our own backyard in Western Australia, there's obviously a problem, and uh, and we got you on tonight to talk a little bit about Steve Marsh's trial um, or Steve Marsh's. Um, issue where his crop became contaminated, his organic crop became contaminated uh, from a GM crop and he lost his certification. Um, it's, it's shocking to hear this is actually happening in Australia because, you know, we, we feel like we're safe in Australia, that we're well protected, that we're well looked after. Um, yet this farmer, you know, is, Steve, has to take you know, a massive multinational corporation to task into the to the courts. Surely, this this is uh, this obviously is outrageous. But is this for real? It, it is. Um, I, I'm going to correct you on one thing. He's he's um, and this is a very important part of this case. Is that that Steve uh, would love to have sued the company behind uh, the GM canola that came out of his farm, and that company's product is Monsanto's product. There's no hiding of that fact, it is a fact in the case. 
he'd like to directly sue them, but he, he's unable to do that. And, and I should say that I'm speaking on behalf of Steve here tonight because his trial is starting in, in the Perth Supreme Court on the 10th of February. And so he's not at this close stage to trial. He's not um, really permitted by his lawyers to speak publicly. Uh, and his lawyers um, obviously want Steve to have the best chance in court. So uh, we, I can speak. Um, when I say on, on his behalf, I can speak on behalf of the issue uh, and I can speak because this, the Safe Food Foundation has got uh, an agreement in place with um, Slater and Gordon, which is the lawyers acting under their public interest policy for Steve and I, we also have an agreement with, with Steve to raise funds to support his case. So mm. I am in a position to speak. If I speak now, it's, it's speaking on behalf of the issue and that's a very important point to make. So Steve has sued his neighbour for loss and damage. Steve did lose his premium income. 70% of his farm was contaminated when GM canola stalks with seeds attached to them blew onto his farm. Uh, right. It was pollen. Um, Steve doesn't grow organic canola. He grows a range of grain crops and he, he raises sheep uh, on pasture. Uh, he had such an extent of contamination which penetrated 70% into his farm and found hundreds if not thousands of plants carrying canola seeds dropping all over his, his crops and his pastures that his certification organisation had no choice but to say, uh, you know, this is not one seed, Steve, this is millions of seeds here, you, you're going to have to lose your certification. He's lost his premium income and he's been hung out to dry because in Australia there is no compensation scheme. Uh, some countries did have the foresight in Europe to set up a, such a scheme, paid for by the GM industry. We don't, we don't have that in Australia. So um, we've supported Steve right from the beginning when his issue arose and we've uh, introduced him to Slater and Gordon, the lawyers who I've worked with, with uh, a previous role in the Organic Federation of Australia, which we also helped establish. And uh, we had legal advice from them and we've uh, contacted them, put Steve in touch with them. And they've taken this on and it's the biggest ever case under their public interest policy that Slater and Gordon have run and full credit to them. It's a huge case and this case um, is costing an enormous amount of money to run and Slater and Gordon aren't getting a cent out of this. Uh, they may get something in terms of costs back if, if this case is successful and that will go into a, uh, a fighting fund, a charitable fighting fund that they operate. The lawyers themselves won't see the money. And uh, we, we are paying for barristers and expert witnesses that are flying in from around the world and court costs and travel and accommodation, and that's many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's a vital case um, to be taken because the system has failed in Australia uh, and the rights of those farmers who want to grow GM-free like Steve and who want to grow organic food like Steve um, should be protected. We think it should be and we think it's one of the most vital issues moving forward and especially when you think about GM wheat that I've mentioned earlier in the program potentially in 2017. We've got to sort this issue out. We've got to sort out the duty of care that one neighbour has to another and the case is about that duty of care. Um, it's about establishing that neighbours do have a duty of care to each other. Farmers have a duty of care to each other. If you live in a house in Melbourne or Adelaide or Perth, you have a duty of care to your neighbour in lots and lots of ways uh, not to uh, take away their enjoyment of their property and of their space. And, and Steve's 
Yeah, go on. Ask me the question. Well, I was going to say, Scott, it's not just a duty of care to to the neighbour either, is it? It's really a duty of care to, to the public all. at large because yeah. if if this becomes a stage where you know all the crops are getting contaminated, then it takes away your choice to be able to consume organic products or to be able to consume non-GMO products. So it, it's a it's a much greater duty of care as far as I see it. You're you're absolutely right. Uh, I wish we could take that one into court. Unfortunately, we can't. Um, but but in, as a moral duty of care, you're absolutely right, and it's. Unfortunately, the court's very precise and specific about what they'll recognise in this sort of common law action. Um, but that's that's why we're, we're running the case, because Steve's right to farm GM-free and right to farm organic equals our right to choose to buy GM-free and to choose to feed uh, GM-free foods and organic foods to ourselves and our kids. Mm-hmm. And if those rights are taken away from us, then that's a terrible, terrible thing. So we're fighting it and we're supporting Steve, not just for his individual right, but really for the broader right of all of us. And, and we're getting support from all over the world, consumers and businesses, small small businesses who care about food from all over the world. You know, it's so true, though, like for anything that happened, and it always takes that one person who's going to stand up and do something about it. And this is, you know, Steve is definitely taking the case. And obviously, there's a team behind it. I mean, you know, what I'm reading here on your website is that, you know, it's not about doing, you know, what Matt Preston said here. It's not about Steve doing something for himself, but it's doing it for everybody, what Brett was saying. And you got a lot of people behind you in this movement. What are some of the things that, you know, our listeners can do to help you in this movement? Obviously, you know, we believe in this cause, um, you know, to make sure our kids and our future generation is safer. What are some of those action things that we can do as listeners? There's lots, lots and lots that we can do. We, we can make important cho- food choices because every time we buy uh, a, a product that's been grown using chemicals, then you support a farmer to continue to use more chemicals. So if you can afford it, buy organic food. That, that's critical moving forward. And, and you know, I run organic food businesses. I've got customers who are on low income, students, uh, people who are unemployed, they'll come in and buy a box of organic food each week. And they may not spend money on holidays or cars or alcohol, they make food choices that are important, that are mindful food choices, and and that's everything that you guys are on about with this program. So that's number one. Second thing is get involved. Get get involved in the community work, the work of expressing your view about uh, what our food future should look like. Uh, And in this particular case with Steve, that that could be um, donating some money. We, we have got thousands of donations now from people. Uh, most of those are, are small. Uh, they range from $5 to $25, $50, $100, up to 1000 We had one person who donated $25,000. Uh, amazing. This person who's um, recently started eating organic food, he runs a company, uh, he can afford to make that donation and he felt so strongly about supporting organic food's right to be GM-free and he, he, uh, he just... Straight away, $25,000, and he's offered some more support if we need it. So, you know, it's incredible the support there. So donations one way, but also to express your views uh, to your political uh, representation. So that's at a state and a federal level. At a local council level, there's many councils across Australia that have GM-free policies. Uh, And to support the federal and state members of parliament, that are concerned about GM. There's many members of parliament that are of all political persuasions, less in the conservative side of parliament, uh, 
than, for example, in the Labor Party and the Greens. Um, there's some very strong objection in the state Labor Party in South Australia and in, and in Tasmania uh, and in ACT as well, and they should be supported. The Greens across Australia are also uh, strongly uh, supporting the right to eat organic and GM-free foods and would like to see GM crops uh, certainly curtailed and contained and all of the responsibilities for contamination fair and square on the shoulders of the GM farmers. If they had to bear the cost of contamination, the uh, capacity of GM crops to be viable would be stripped away and they wouldn't grow them. That's the reality. So if we can make these farmers through Steve's case responsible and set a precedent, and I should say that uh, the neighbour we is being publicly supported by a very strong pro-GM organisation in WA called the Pastoralists and Graziers Association, and they've got a fighting fund, and it's clearly quite well funded. Their legal representation is very, very good, mm. and uh, they're running a hard case against Steve. Uh, we think that Steve will win. Of course we do. We're hopeful he will, and, and if we have to fight this all the way to the High Court, we'll fight it all the way to the High Court. Uh, however, um, you never know with these things, and we still have to take the case because if we don't take the case, then the organic industry will default will have rolled over and the organic industry will have no choice but to continue to decertify farms that are contaminated and over time either we would have to change the standards to allow GM contamination or we would be in real trouble. We would be putting farmers out of business, organic farmers out of business. So getting involved, writing to politicians, writing to newspapers, uh, letters to the editor, uh, all these sorts of things, having local discussions in community organisations. Uh, get hold of our videos on, on the website. There's a short version and a long version you can download. Um, show them at your book club. Uh, everything counts. Go to your local organic store and get them to put some flyers in their store. Uh, hand out flyers at your local farmer's market. Whatever, you, whatever idea you've got to defend Steve's right, which is our right, would be fantastic. That support uh, is growing. Uh, like us on Facebook, Twitter, all of these these social media uh, things are really changing the world now. So we're very keen to see people support us in in that way. And a lot of our donations are coming through Facebook. People just sharing our our video, which we made around Steve and his issue uh, on Facebook. It's incredible the response cool. that we've had from that. We'll, uh, we'll certainly be promoting that through the Wellness Guys and the Wellness Couch to get that message out there. Yeah, there's, um, we haven't got a whole lot of time left, uh, unfortunately, though, Scott. And, um, you know, this is the ultimate David and Goliath sort of story. And we see this through healthcare as well as we see in food. And we're seeing it through, you know, a lot of uh, marketplaces within Australia and the world. Um, in Australia, just so that we can help people look for non-GM foods, in Australia, do things have to be labelled non-GM or GM or how do we know that we're getting non-GM foods? I wish there was a law saying that things uh, that were non-GM had to be labelled non-GM. Unfortunately, there's a law which has got all sorts of loopholes that, that, and we fought very hard to get this law in place, I should add. Mm. Uh, there is a law that requires GM to be labelled, but the loopholes are things like refined... Um, products so oils um, don't require to be labelled. Um, food served in restaurants, food served in um, public institutions, schools, childcare centres, prisons doesn't need to be labelled. Uh, add additives, colourings, flavourings, anything like that doesn't need to be labelled. Anything under one percent doesn't need to be labelled. And of course, most of the highly refined 
products produced in Australia are canola oil and cottonseed oil, which is, don't need to be labelled. Um, any food, GM food, fed to animals. So we've got imported soybean meal and cornmeal coming into this country, in particular soybean meal, uh, and cottonseed meal being fed to cattle, pigs and to chickens to produce food sold in our supermarkets that essentially is coming from a GM food source mm-hmm. and it's not labelled. So these are big problems for us. Um, there are companies that are labelling voluntarily GM-free and those companies, it's great to support those and, uh, and organic food. So that's, that's the main way that you can avoid it in the supermarket is look for the labels, either organic or look for the labels that are saying non-GM or GM-free. Buy those products. That's it. Scott, thank you so much for your time and uh, your expertise on this. I'm sure that people will be loving this podcast. I mean, I don't do multitask very well, but uh, I just basically made a donation actually while recording this call because I think it's important that we start putting money where it needs to be to actually help support Steve in, on, in this particular case. And I think, you know, for the 10, 12,000 listeners that listen to us every week, I said, you know, if we just donated $10 each, I mean, we got a hundred grand right there, or, you know, 120 grand um, to help within the cause. And I think it's a small amount to, to make sure that uh, for the safety of, of our kids and also for our food system. So please go and do that. Um, so listen, guys, I love to make sure that you go and check out safefoodfoundation.org. That's safefoodfoundation.org and just go and check it out. And uh, I mean, the thing is, I think it not, does not only need our help, but also the help of your friends, your family, and to support in this particular cause. And uh, spread the word. If you have a large connection, large group, a fa- uh, Facebook group or Facebook uh, friends, please spread the word and spread this particular podcast in this episode because that's the only way to get it out there um, in order for people to help. And I think there's enough people, like you said from the beginning of the call, um, that there's going to be enough people to really support this. And it has to start from the grassroots movement. We can't rely on government to, to make the changes without us speaking against this. So thank you so much for being on the call. And uh, we hope that everything goes well. Thanks so much for your support, guys. Fantastic. So, guys, go to our Facebook page. Uh, this one's going to be pretty important. Go to our Facebook page on facebook.com slash Guys or Couch. When you see the link for this podcast, please share it. Share it on your Facebook post and timeline, not like any other one. This one's really important. And tell and ask for people to donate to safefoodfoundation.org. Like us on Facebook while you're there. Like their Facebook page and uh, share this podcast with your friends. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating and leave us a comment because that's what we always love. So until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example. Let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.